When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 94 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me via the phone, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. What's happening? Oh, man. You know, it's another week. Another week closer to deer season. Almost early season. It's crazy sauce. Holy hell did this season sneak up on me. (laughs) Dude. I know the feeling. Wow. (laughs) Two B starts in like two weeks, less than two weeks. Yeah, it's coming I'm up, man. Not, I am not ready. I'm not. I'm really not. I haven't shot my bow much. You know, I, I shot so much early on in the summer with all the shoots that we were doing and everything that I got so comfortable that I've been just kind of changing the focus to uh, more or less getting cameras out and working on my climbing setup and getting everything perfect. And I forgot in the whole process that, hey, season's coming up. You need to start shooting your bow again. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. Uh, Yikes. <laughs> I shot a little bit around the time that we shot some 3D, and I stopped. And then I got a new bow, and it is currently still sitting in the box. I haven't <laughs> even got what? it set up yet. So <laughs> I have to get it set up. I have to get my sight back, everything, like... I'm so far behind. The only thing that I have going for me is I have trail cams out, <laughs> basically. Yeah. You have any? Do you have any cell cams out? You yeah, I have, have one out. But here's the okay. other issue with it. I need to go move it now because the last yep. storm we got, a tree literally came down right beside it and totally moved the way that the deer are moving. So I haven't got a picture in like a week because they're not moving wow. because there's a tree in the way now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little worried as well. I don't know. I haven't gotten any pictures. My one camera, it filled up the 100 free photos. A lot of those were squirrels, a bunch of raccoon, and just the windy days that we had recently, a couple windy days. I don't know what it was blowing, but something was picking up on the camera, and uh, it filled up. But it should be renewing here real quick. My other camera, however, I think it's more of a later season spot. That's where I've been getting all the pictures in that spot before. It's pretty dead right now. So I think I'm going to, and we can get into that in this episode, but I think I'm going to start moving them to more of that scrape areas and uh, try to get a better intel on what's in the area. Yeah, man. I don't want it to sound like, like, I don't know, that regurgitated thing, but more like moving towards the, the bed to food. Yeah, and, and I've never done that in the past, to be honest with you. I've always just kind of put up cameras and not gone in there and messed with them. But 
it almost seems as if maybe, and I'm a little torn because the whole point in cell cameras is put them up, don't touch them. You know, and I haven't touched these ones in months. So it, it's to the extent now, it's like, do I really want to go in there and mess with them? But I'm not getting the best pictures and intel, so it's probably best that I do. Yeah. So No, I'm right there with oh, you. I mean, I would like to just leave mine alone, but... It's literally, that tree came down, and I haven't got a picture since, because I know that tree's across that trail. They're going 100% around me. I'm not getting any pictures now. Right, and in that situation, I think you have to go in and move it. You know, and especially, like, my situation as well, I thought I had the camera pointed down far enough, and I'm just catching, like, the because I I hung it up high and then pointed it kind of steep down towards the trail. And I'm getting deer, don't get me wrong. I can see the deer, I'm getting them fine, but mostly getting everything else. I actually got a nice gobbler on there a few times coming oh, really? in and out. <laughs> yeah, real nice gobbler. Yeah, real good beard on him. But, you know, I I also have two mobile cams here that still need to get in the woods, and I think I have uh, at least three or four stationary cams that I wouldn't mind putting up and just kind of running out of places to put them, more or less. But I, I got to make a move here and start getting more cameras up. I'm a little bummed that Link didn't work for me again it it started i did the update it sent me like 50 pictures from the last time i used it and then it sent me about 10 or 12 pictures and i haven't gotten anything since Hmm. so i'm a little bummed uh i don't know it it wasn't recording that it had the best service cell service down um in the little creek bottom but i I wouldn't have thought it was that i mean it took pictures it sent me pictures so it was working and, and it's not a big deal because I put it in a really good spot that I can get without doing any damage to the area when I want to hunt that area. I can quickly just throw it. Actually, I don't even need to throw it on the tree. I can reach it from the ground. I can just reach up, grab the camera, pull out the card, check it, yeah. put it back in. That might be a card issue too, man. You never know. I mean, it could be a lot of things. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, That's something I maybe know. you need to take a laptop with you and just troubleshoot it real quick and get it done. Yeah, I, I formatted the card. I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. I actually put more attention into this trail camera than I've ever done before. And it, like I said, it was working. But I, I the only other thing I did also, I, because I didn't have a lot of faith in the link, I cheaped out and I put regular alkaline batteries in it. No, Well, buddy. I mean, you know, lithium's expensive and I'm saving those for my cell cams. I so understand that. I, I get that. You know, I can't, I can't blow 12 Honestly, because I think it's at least 12, if not, yeah, it's eight in the link, I believe. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. And then four in my camera. So I'm like, ooh, that's 12 lithium. <laughs> that's so the, two other cell cams. You know what I mean? The one that I put out, dude, I got eight in the camera and eight in, in the cell link. It was like, holy shit. Dude, it was like $40 worth of fucking batteries. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. That's, that's just not a commitment I was work, I was uh, willing to take oh. or willing to make. I, I just couldn't do it. You know what, but, though? They're still 100%. So. <laughs> Yeah, Worth they the will investment, that's the man. Nice part. Yeah, that's the nice part about lithium. They stay 100% until they die. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough because you can't look at your phone and, and report back and see, you know, the battery draining mm-hmm. because it stays like 190% either or, and then it just dies. Yeah. Which I'm a little afraid my one did die. It's been up since January, if not before January. I'll bet you'd be and shocked. I know it just hasn't sent me any pictures in uh, a few days. I, you know, I might be a little paranoid. I might have to go back and check that because yeah. I thought I got one the other night. I get them in the middle of the night and I check them and I forget. <laughs> yeah, I li- I literally got a picture yesterday and I'm I'm sitting here complaining and it hasn't sent me pictures. I got one yesterday morning at six fifteen a.m. Come on, man. <laughs> and it was a coyote. Oh, buddy. Yeah. So well. I guess it is still sending pictures, and then there's the turkey right there. But I, I do have to, uh, I have to say that I'm, I'm still impressed with Spy Point. It, it's, it's the quality is not great on the cameras. I would rather have the reveal, but you just cannot find them. And everybody bought them up basically, and they're selling them aftermarket for like 180 dollars. So the markup's just stupid. That's insane. And I'm not, I'm not doing that. Here's the I, thing, I won't though. give those. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sending them. That's why the quality is a little bit worse. Um, yeah. If you go and pull that True. card, that 
those pictures are perfect. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's just it it makes them a little bit less quality just to make it easier to send. But yeah, I'm more so. I I do understand where you're coming from. I'm more so just like seeing like eh, is there anything worth it there? Or, you know, <laughs> rather <laughs> than I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely identified some good bucks, and I've also have a couple where I'm like, ooh, what is that? What is that? Is he a shooter? Is he not? You know, it's kind of fun. But yeah. you can see antler on its head, so that's like, okay, there's there's a buck there. I mean, I'm getting intel of when he's in there and, and which way he's going, so it's not the worst thing in the world. No, no. could be way worse, man. That yeah. could be way worse. Right. Huh. I can I can be sitting here not knowing anything about the area until I go in there and, and blow it all out. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, with you, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like I said, I got two more. I had to order some micro SD cards just with running around in turkey season and everything. I, I think I lost a couple. I think I, I think did Brewer too. I don't know where I put some two. of my cards. I'll tell you, my best one that I had for my uh, GoPro it's missing. I don't know where it is. Uh, Boomer claims he doesn't have it, but I don't know. I'm on that wizard. <laughs> I'm he on could have the changed wizard. the colors of the card. Who knows? You know, the <laughs> wizard is the wizard. Oh yeah, man. He's been stepping up his game too with the old filming and stuff, man. It's I have high yeah. hopes for him this year. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, the, what is it? Rust Belt Media is yeah. his uh, handle mm-hmm. on Instagram. Guys, check it out. Rust Belt Media. Uh, that's our buddy Booer that's been on the podcast quite a bit. I mean, his photography game is through the roof. I mean, I love it. It's absolutely great. And yeah, he's been stepping his game up in a lot of things. He just got a new climbing stand. Yep, yeah. Lone Wolf. Yeah, I'm stoked for yeah, him with that, I don't, know what he's, I don't know what he's doing for that wife of his, but she is being kind to him. <laughs> I'm with you, man. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Hilarious. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I got high hopes for him. I got high hopes for a lot of our buddies this year, man. A lot of our buddies are jumping into the saddle game. We got some buddies that are going out west again on their elk hunt. You know, I got, I think our little kind of group of friends, were, I think it's going to be a good year, man. I really hope so. And I, you mentioned it, I, I want to see these new saddle hunters get their first kill out of the saddle. Oh, yeah, to dude. To be honest, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I want to see that. You know, I want to I want to be there for that, and I think that's going to be absolutely amazing when it finally connects. Yeah, which should happen, dude. I think it. I think it's going to honestly. A lot of these guys are killers as it is, and you know, you're just right. giving them more advantage, in my opinion. And I, I think it's going to be a deadly combination. Yeah, I know Steve's been climbing like crazy. I got to get with him again and, and keep going. Uh, he's been, man, he's been climbing a lot. He he's got a couple nice trees out his dad's place that are really accessible right in the yard just perfect beautiful maple so you can fly right up get really good practice in and you know i, I did that uh podcast when you were sick the other day with uh the rutten river boys oh did you end up doing it about, awesome yeah we talked a lot about saddles and stuff and you know one of the things that catfish mentioned was you know it's something that you have to do a lot of practice in, and he's right you know and that's anything i told him you know it, it depends on what kind of hunter you are it's just like Anybody else, you know, if you get a, a new bow, for example, you know, you got to shoot it. Absolutely. If you get a new, a new climber, you have to use it. It's anything. You can sit at home and put it in the back of your garage and never use the stuff or until, you know, the second week of rut or whatever and go out there. And that doesn't make any difference, whether it's a saddle, a ladder stand, or a climber. You know, yeah, they, the, maybe the curve. The learning curve is a little bit steeper, but you got to commit when you, when you're set up, whatever setup you choose, you have to commit to it. Yeah, no, I'd agree yeah. with that. I mean, there was a huge learning curve just from, you know, us being the, the guys that always took our climbers out. And then we went to like the mobile hang on and the, and the sticks. And that was a big jump. I mean, trying to learn how to do that and do it efficiently oh, and quietly. Sure. I mean, it, it's with anything. I mean, pick your poison. It's going to work. Yeah. So we want to really discuss this early season because it's what's it's what's now. I mean, PA is coming up quick. But before we do, I don't I don't want to forget. I don't want to jump past it. We got to touch on our partners for sure. Totally, the man. First partner, I want to give a huge shout out to is the same partner that just sent you some gear. Who's that? Oh, buddy, man, it's Gray Gear. <laughs> That's right. Got my hands on the new Solus pattern, dude. I love it so much. I think it's gonna be like absolutely 
epic for our late season, even just our regular fall season. Once those leaves start coming down and we start getting into that more brown, less of the green, it's going to be yeah. deadly, dude. going to be deadly. Yeah, that pattern's sick, man. And, and I think you'll be surprised. I think it'll blend even when in the early season because oh, it's it almost like that. those gaps in the trees that you see and those little holes and openings throughout the tree. That's exactly what the pattern looks like, and it breaks up really well. I can't wait. I, I want to get up in a tree and get some video on it and see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm right there with you, buddy. I'm I'm so excited to use this stuff. But wait, let's be honest, we didn't buy it for the pattern. This stuff is just ridiculous quality. Oh my ridiculous. goodness, dude! I made a post the other day, so I I find it like absolutely incredible. You have a lot of companies; they have like their gimmick, like oh, we have a limited quality. We have we have a limited, you know, warranty, or we have you know, try it for. I don't know. Try it for a week. Money back guarantee if you don't like it. Well, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Scree right. gear, dude, they literally take it to the next level. So they have an unlimited lifetime warranty on this stuff. They have try it for 14 days. If you don't like it, money back guarantee. No risk, 100%. And then, dude, literally, I just actually use this. They have the VIP sizing. So if you get something yep. and it doesn't fit you, they pay the shipping back and forth until you get the right size. So they actually just sent me a confirmation today. They're sending me my new pants. I just needed them a little bit bigger. Dude, I put them in the frank, in the thing. They gave me a prepaid shipping label. Shipped it to them. Boom. It's coming right back already. It's unreal, man. Yeah. Nobody Don't does that. Twinkies or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I love them, dude. Little Debbie's my homegirl. Yeah. <laughs> you're right though you're absolutely right i mean i i even talked to josh on the phone with scree gear and you know i even told him about he wanted my honest opinion i gave it to him you know i loved everything but i said you know maybe you could tweak this or that but other than that, I mean, it was absolutely just knock out of the park and i told him you know hey i think i had some issues with one of the zippers let's well, return it i'm like no i'm not returning it over that I said, I'm not doing it. He's like, you can absolutely 100% return that. We will fix it or we will send you out a brand new parent. I said, I know you will, but it's not something that affects the quality and use of the pants. So yeah. I'm not going to return it because it's mine. <laughs> they're mine. No, screen gear and- is absolutely insane, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. But so screegear.com, check it out. Go WDP20, all caps, get you 20% off your first purchase. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Sir. Do you know what else I have going on here? It's actually in my hand right now. I'm looking at it. The meanest, absolutely (laughs) meanest freaking broadhead I've ever used. I'm thinking if you want to save some more money, you could probably head over to VIP and get you some broadheads right now. That's what I'm talking about. Right now. Like right now. They are on sale right now. So... You better get over there and check them out. They currently have both the veterans and the combat veterans for $10 off for a package of three. So what? What? combat veterans are $40 right now for a package of three. And the veterans are $30 Unreal, for a package man. of three. So some of the best broadheads in the game for the same price as um, some of that junk that you spend money on every year not you austin because you're shooting the best in the business <laughs> oh i love but it, man. i'm talking to you but listeners. i'm talking to you listeners go over there and get <laughs> get you some get you some veterans man we're gonna work on a coupon code i think that's something that we should absolutely do yeah for sure we'll, we've we'll had a couple people time. reach out and ask about it and i think that's something yep. maybe we talk to matt about and get you guys a coupon code exclusive for us Yep, and I know he'll be part of the uh, episode 100 giveaway that we're working on. That's what I'm talking about. That's something to look forward to as well. But don't bank on that. Get your butts out there. Get your three new broadheads. It's going to easily last you the season. If it doesn't last you the rest of your life, they are durable. They are pick them up, clean them off, shoot them again. You don't have to resharpen. I mean, these things are absolutely incredible. They're tanks, Head over to veteranip.com. Whew. (laughs) How you feeling now? You feeling like you uh, want to go hang on a limb? limb? (laughs) I'm going out on a limb right now and telling you about some of the best platforms in the business. (laughs) We're so corny. I know, we are. Out on a limb, though, guys. If you want, like, a camera arm, 
If you want a new tree stand, a lightweight tree stand, one that's built like a brick shit house. If you're looking for a saddle platform, if you're looking for climbing sticks, like this guy has the market covered a hundred percent tenfold, and it's all absolutely one hundred percent quality, guys. Lightweight, durable. Matt Garris is the freaking man. You know what I love everything we mention and everything we support made right here in the USA. That is I mean, absolutely I've been in true. Shop where. Matt Garris works on the stands. I watched production of the Hush. I watched production of the Shakars. I've seen it with my own two eyes in the beautiful state of Oklahoma. You know, these are just good, down-to-earth people that we love and support, and we can't say enough about them. Out on a limb, MFG.com. Go check them out. See what's going on. I totally and support that. And shipping in three weeks. Nobody out there is keeping up with that. He's keeping the three weeks right now. That's unreal, so, man. Yeah, that's really good for anybody out there. You can still order today and get your stuff by the state opener here in PA. Ooh. So, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I heard you got a new little little phone call or an email today. I, I am waiting for my new canoe that it supposedly shipped today. Oh, buddy. So, I'm waiting on a call to confirm uh, they're shipping it up to Conneaut Lake, and I'm hoping... That I will be loading one up into the truck maybe this weekend. That's awesome, dude. That freaking plastic shortage really did you dirty this year. It did. You know, and that's not just me. That's everybody across the board. So I can't complain. Uh, I'm extremely happy and I can't wait for it. I mean, I literally can't wait for it any longer. I'm I'm about to burst. So (laughs) trying to get my butt in the best kayak in the business. New Canoe. Go check them out. NewCanoe.com. All right, buddy. Get that out of the way. Freaking so. prep work for the season, man. Let's get into this a little bit. Let Let's talk about, you know, the work that you put in that makes those. Let's Let's say you're a weekend warrior and you only have so much time to hunt. Your prep, your wow, your prep work <laughs> comes in so big, giving you the most for like bang for your buck. All your opportunity is going to come from that prep work. Not saying that you couldn't just go out there and hang a stand and get lucky, but. What are those things that you're doing prior to the season, the whole lead up, that help you be successful? Let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And this is an easy one for us because we are weekend warriors. You know, we may get out occasionally once or twice during the week if we're lucky for maybe an hour or two. But for the most part, we're weekend warriors. And here in Pennsylvania, we're even more strapped because we're Saturday warriors. Well, not weekend warriors. You can't even say that. We're Saturday warriors. We're one-day warriors, which anybody in the Whitetail Woods knows, you know, from week to week, especially throughout the season, a lot can happen. But prep work early now and, and, you know, six months ago, really, but now can go a long way. And I think the best thing that you can do right now and what I do is just be careful because you're in that danger zone now, early September, they're starting to turn hard horned. Uh, they're starting to figure things out a little bit. It's starting to get kind of that time where it's cold in the mornings and cold in the evenings. And the best thing you can do is really start paying attention to your in and out. If you have to go hang cameras, which is probably the best tool you can use for a weekend warrior. This is where I support cell cams to the 1000th degree because cell cams are doing that scouting for you when you absolutely cannot be in the woods. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, especially as the days get shorter and at one point in our season, the the clock moves back. If you're working a nine to five, eight to four, you know, you're not really getting out much after work unless you hunt really close to work. And that's tough because you can't do anything scent related, which say it as you will, uh, some scent work has to go into your game plan here in PA. Like it's either play the wind. Well, yeah, but it's tough. So won't get too far down that rabbit trail. Let's stick with cell cams. Okay. Or cameras in general, you want your cameras. Like we mentioned right now, you want those cameras on those corridors. You want them. Oh, maybe under those Oak trees that are dropping hot with a fresh scrape underneath it. Um, field edges are still good right now. I'm seeing a lot of deer in the fields. Uh, they still might be hitting the corn, but, be honest it's been extremely wet and everything right now too 
a lot of stuff's still really green. So they're still browsing. It's going to be tough. So that field edge, you might be good to, on the field edges still because they're really thick and dense around the edges, which creates that nice cover edge so deer are moving a lot. So my biggest thing right now for me is to get that camera out there, start soaking up that data. I also start looking through last year's photos and previous year's photos. That's what I was going to get into. Yeah. Yep. I can leave that for you as well. No, keep going on it, man. I'll just touch on it when you're done. Okay. Because I want to know what deer were doing last year in these spots and what they were doing the year before in these spots. And you can start to get like a pattern as well on these deer with that that intel from year over year. So I start looking through because that's something you can do from home. That's something you can do on your lunch break. You can scroll through your photos, maybe bring your laptop or something with you to work. And on your lunch out in your truck, you can scroll through your old photos and start marking down dates and start taking mental notes of when these deer were coming through in daylight, because that's the biggest thing right now. Me personally, I'm getting a lot of nighttime buck pictures and I'm, I'm going to have to start figuring it out because they're coming through at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, where they're moving a lot early in the season when it's cool at night. But then there's other cameras. I have daytime photos. I'm keeping track of those, you know, and I'm really going back and forth on current data and how it matches up to last year. Because I want to plan in mind going throughout the first two weeks when I'm hunting, where I'm hunting, and what my approach is going to be. So I've been, we've been told when we had John Eberhardt on and anytime you've ever listened to him, he does a a speed scouting trip right before the season. So another great tactic is to go through the different areas. If you already have trees prepped, you have stands up. That's great. Uh, If not, you know, what you want to do right now is probably not dig in deep and start sawing down limbs and making a whole bunch of ruckus, uh, also, big thing here in PA, you better make sure those mineral licks are up. <laughs> yeah, you bud. are out of time. Uh, 30 days out, I believe it is. Yeah. 60 to be safe. So you're out of time. If you have one up, you better get it up, get it out of the woods immediately, maybe even dig up some of that dirt. Um, but you want to see where the acorns are, right? You want to see if those apple trees are holding. You want to see if your acorns are falling. And this stuff's pretty basic, but this is what I'm doing when I'm walking through the woods. If I have fixed stands in places, which I still do have fixed stands out there that I may hunt from or I may put other people in. Typically, that's what I do. I'll bring someone else and put them there. I'm doing a quick walk by upwind. I'm not going downwind of that location. Or I'm sorry, it should be downwind. I'm downwind of the location. Um, Keeping the wind coming from your stand towards you. So you can still keep your distance, bring your binoculars out, get a good pair. I did this earlier uh, this year where I was checking trees, found some acorns, you know, where I doubled up on my doe last year, those trees not holding as many acorns as they were last year. Yeah. So that spot early in the season now, I'm Xing it out where most people would go in, shoot those two deer, and then think, okay, I shot those two deer first week of the season. I'm going back there again first week Saturday without going in and checking, are those acorns still dropping? Is it the same conditions as it was last year? It's not. It's not at all. It's way more wet this year. The grass and everything is way higher, and the acorns aren't falling. So that spot's X'd out. I'm done with that spot. These are little things that I'm doing right now to use what worked for me last year and then comparing it to the conditions. Are the conditions the same? If not, I need to find a spot where the conditions are like they were last year. Yeah, man. I'm right there with you. And I do... I do really like to do kind of like that speed scout. Now, a lot of the time, like during the season and stuff like that, I do like to, you know, I like to hunt the fresh sign, like go into a new piece maybe and just kind of scout my way in and find hot sign and then hunt that. And if I don't find sign, I just keep moving, you know, but that previous right before the season kind of run in real quick and check just a couple of things out. I really do like doing that. Like you were saying, see what trees are dropping acorns. It might not be an acorn year in that area. Like you said, you know, there's a couple of places I can think of some apples. It's like maybe once every three or four years that these apple trees even produce. But when they produce, that's the freaking place to be. Those are the spots like like you're talking about. X them out if they're not going to be anything worth anything in the early season, man. But, you know, going back to the historical data thing, I think that is so important. And, you know, you go back through your 
previous photos from the year prior and you see like your daylight ones where oh man this buck was hitting on daylight perfect time a thing that i like to use it's actually the weather app that i use and it's wonderground they do historical data also so you can go back and actually see what wind and wind speed the barometric pressure everything that caused that deer to get up like what wind was he moving on and you can kind of use that information i'm not saying that that's what he's going to do every time but you know he came in that set on that win for a reason so that's one of those things you can kind of gain just a little bit more knowledge every time i think that is so freaking important and guys this is not like a bible here we're not telling you like this is what you should do but this is what we do and this is you know we're trying to give you a couple tips it's not like the law or anything like that don't think that we're know-it-alls because we're certainly not neither one of us killed a buck last year so (laughs) well let's also mention that's a good point and that's what i was going to bring up next you know, early season here in PA, I'm targeting doe. I'll be honest with you. Me too, man. Uh, I'm not usually targeting those bigger bucks because typically, you know, we have a pretty high deer density here in Pennsylvania, and a lot of these spots are small. So to get to them, I'd have to go through a lot of animals to get in close enough to where I'm going to see these mature bucks on the hoof. Now, there's spots. You know, Joe shot his deer last year the first week of the season. There are spots that we have that you can hunt the edges and still kill big deer. But typically, you know, I'm I'm looking for the food. I'm looking for, I'm trying to kill a doe. Uh, especially in the first two weeks, I want to put meat in the freezer. I am not shy about killing doe and keeping the population in check. There's obviously a lot more doe in, uh, in my areas than there are bucks. So I'm constantly trying to balance that out so i am working on the food now here's the thing if you're in the area and you're close to bedding and you're hunting food and you're hunting that transition to food there's a good chance you could see a nice buck absolutely you know it 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 just depends on what you know is in the area and i go back to it again these cell cams that even when you touch you know under underground you can go in as you get a picture on your phone and immediately close the app and open wonderground and see exactly what the conditions were and write them down in real time. So if you have that historical data on what was going on with the weather in the last two years or last year, and then you look at what was the weather here, and if it's the same deer, or even if it's not the same deer, because most likely it's not. If it's a buck, though, and it was a buck last year doing a similar thing, there's a good chance you could make a move on them early season and get them, get them on the ground. You know, we're not going to sit here and preach to you, this is how you kill big bucks in the first two weeks of October. Listen, we've never done it. I've never <laughs> we, done it. we don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I've never done it. I've killed all my bucks in the last week of October and the first two weeks of November. Yeah. That's it. You know, and that could be by luck. It could be by happenstance. Regardless, we're talking early season, so... I like to put in the prep work to try to kill a doe early in the year. I want to get that those jitters out. I want to kind of get that that meat in the freezer, like we said. You know, you've said it. You've preached it a million times. You love to, to whack a couple doe early. Yeah, dude. Get yourself going. Get yourself comfortable shooting a live animal. Absolutely, man. I, I got to be honest. If it was opening day and I haven't shot a doe or anything yet, and I had a huge buck coming, it's not saying that I couldn't make the shot or anything like that. But I like to get those nerves out of the way a little bit. Like, I still get yeah. nervous shooting does. And, you know, I haven't killed a million deer, but I've killed quite a few deer. I still get excited about all that stuff, man. It's it, it's crazy to me when you hear guys are like, oh, I don't shoot does. It doesn't really get me all that excited. Like, are you kidding me, man? I freaking get so jacked up even when it's does. I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to see me. And then she doesn't. You know, it happens. But <laughs> I don't I don't know where I was going with that. But, um yeah, man, I think it's just, I think it's so important, you know, and, and the biggest thing, like you said, we're not trying to tell you how to kill a big deer, like, opening day of the season. That's not, that's not where we're coming from at all. We're just trying right. to give you a little bit of advice and get you ready for a season, because it's coming, you know, you know, get your Absolutely. little prep work done. Yeah, and this is my time of year, I mean, this is where it gets fun, you know, I know everyone out there, they Hopefully by now, you know, you have been shooting your bow. You're a little more disciplined than I am. Um, Usually right now I've been shooting my bow for two months straight, but I'm confident in my shooting. 
right now I'm not so confident in my climbing system. I'm not so confident in some of my gear. So that's what I've been working on. Uh, you want to be confident in, in your setup. And I think that also plays in part when you're talking about gearing up for that early season. If you got a new climber, go climb a tree with it. Yeah, totally. If you have a new mobile stick setup, go climb a tree with it. Be safe. Use that new safety harness. Because guess what? If you climb for the first time and you notice that you're making a little noise or it's a little creaky, if you're doing that for the first time in the woods and a deer comes in and you step up on the platform for the first time and it creaks and that buck of a lifetime that you thought you'd never see first week of season takes off, you're going to be kicking yourself in the butt. So if you want to prepare for early season, the best thing to do is do it now. Yeah. I mean, this is the conditions you're going to see here in the next 10 to 10 to 30 days, basically, until yeah. our season pops off. Work those kinks out, man. Get those done. That's like the biggest thing why I like hunting like our special regulations as early season hunts, man. Go down. I mean, I've never shot a doe during that season, you know. That's what I always go for. But, you know, I go down there to work those kinks out. Make sure that my climbing method is what I want it to be. My whole setup. When I get up in the tree, I like to have everything the way I want to do it. You know, that repetition throughout the season, you get faster and faster and faster. But, you know, those first couple hunts, you're rusty, man. You get up there, oh, I want to hang my bow here. Oh, this is not, you know, you want to make sure everything's comfortable and get back into like that groove of setting everything up. That's that's the main focus of this. Yeah, you're going to limit your frustration too. Yeah, totally. There's nothing worse than going in early season. It's hot out typically. Sweating your you know, butt you're, off. You're sweating. You're not having the best climb because if you haven't practiced, you're not having the best climb ever of your life. Even if you're hunting from the ground, you know, maybe you, you forgot to clear the one twig that you're going to step on and crack. Uh, maybe you, you know, need to learn your anything, whatever it is. The best thing to do is do it now before the season starts. That way, when you're in the game, when it matters, because for us, we love to be stealthy. We love to be sneaky. And the best thing you can do to be stealthy and sneaky is to move quietly and swiftly you know even if you're going slow that's fine you should go slow but man i'm telling you <laughs> i know i've been there i haven't used climbing my climbing as much and whatever system it is before the season and that's why i go down to 2b two weeks before the season i go do the climbs there and they have been absolutely catastrophic I oh mean, yeah just terrible it's been terrible <laughs> many times i've gone down stands. oh man has it been bad and we still almost killed deer but you it's know what fun, though man. it gets you so fun. freaking ready man i really genuinely believe that like you get that first time out of the way and work out those kinks my season is way better every time because of it not only that i like to do it because it, it lets me know how i need to rework my pack yeah because typically, totally I'm sure a lot of people are out there saying, yeah, beginning of the year, I got 42 million things in my backpack that either I don't need or they're in the wrong spot. You know, I want to hang my backpack off the right side of my climber or the right side of the tree if I'm facing in a saddle. And then, oh, but my rangefinder pocket that I've been setting up and vigorously messing with everything, it's on the opposite side. Okay, that can't work. So I got to put it on this side. Yeah. My climbing ropes, you know, they go in this pocket and it works the best. There's a program that, at work that we pay a lot of money for guys to come in and, and show us. And it's called the Lean Program, L-E-A-N. And basically what they do is they go through your entire setup and system and they take a look at it and see what you're doing. And they cut it down to be most effective, fast, and efficient. That Lean plays and mean. a huge role. Yeah, it plays the same role <laughs> if you think about hunting, right? You want to get in. You want to be the most efficient as possible. And you want to do everything where you're not wasting time. You're not wasting effort. You're doing everything to be lean in your system. So what you're doing in those early climbs when you're practicing is you're setting everything up to where when you get up in the tree – you get safety harnessed in, where's everything going? Yeah. Where do I need to grab? What do I need to look for? Is my release going to be in my truck? Because I forgot to put it in X position. You know, everything like that, because I've done it. I've lost, left a lot of stuff in the truck. <laughs> That's the stuff that you don't want to do. 
and you make those mistakes early on. And then guess what? You get a few clients under your belt by late season. You're good to go. And think about it also. We take a lot of trips up to my camp to hunt up there. You want everything packed and ready to go to where all you have to do when you're going to a camp, camp trip, grab your camos, throw them in a bag, grab your backpack, grab whatever climbing system you have, grab your bow, and you're out the door. Yeah. You don't have to think, did I forget anything? Do I have my range finder? Do I have my release? Are my arrows on my bow? You know, all that stuff's done because guess what? You've already hunted. You've already packed it. You've packed your truck the way you like to pack your truck. You know, that stuff is like, man, I have never overlooked something more in my life with just how efficient you can be later in the season because you have everything already in place. You can just grab and go. You just tweaked it the whole season, man. Yeah. Think about Weekend Warrior. You don't have a lot of time. You know, if you need to get out, say you want to maximize your effort, get out after work every day and you have two hours to do so. You better have your stuff ready. Yeah, you, yeah, you better, better be, be efficient as hell. Go. So, yeah, you know, that's my two cents. That's some of the things that I would have never thought about or heard on a podcast people talk about, I guess. Yeah, man, and I'm totally with you. Like, guys, is just work out the kinks. When you do that, you're more confident, and when you're more confident, you kill deer. That's just, it's as simple as that is I how I feel. So. Yeah. No, we're not going to harp on this. I just, I wanted to get some of that out and, you know, talk yeah, about, yeah, it, like, yeah. some early season For prep sure. and stuff like that, but... You know, I want to know. I'm excited for the your, season. Uh, yeah, I want to know some of your little quirks that you do. Like, what what are some of the little setups that you have as far as like what your truck look like during the season compared to now? What does your backpack look like? I, I want you to kind of get into the detail on that stuff. So, you have little funny things. So I actually got I got to work out a couple more kinks this year. So before I've always had full access to the truck. Now I'm to the point where. I have two car seats set up in the back of my truck, so Uh-oh. I'm like super limited on space now, right? So I got to optimize the little bit of space that I have left in the cab and then the bed. So I do think I need to get a tonneau cover, first of all. Yeah. Second, you know, always packing all my stuff, I kind of ditch my bow case during the season. And it's probably not the best for my bow, but I, I <laughs> do that to be lean and mean. So it's literally... When I leave my bow and my boots and everything that I need, my backpack and stuff, are already in my truck all the time during season. Because I never know when I'm going to have time to hunt. That's also why I try and keep my truck clean. And I got ozone running into my truck. So that stuff's always, like, hunt ready constantly. Now, like, the backpack and stuff, I've constantly, like, it's something I've struggled with. Even, like, in turkey season and stuff. My whole life, I'm always, like, if I have a backpack... I freaking fill the thing 100%. So I've kind of like gone down and I've like toyed around with things. Like I've had the, my big backpack and when I do that, it's a thousand pounds because I just stuff a full of shit that I don't need. Yep. So then the past couple years, I've gone down to like really lean and like fanny pack style, right? So I only have these couple of things with me. And I've kind of found that that's not enough now. So now I'm into like this really, it's a really compact backpack. And I feel like it's pretty good for what I need because I can keep like an extra jacket in and I attach my sticks to it, everything like that. But that's been kind of a game changer for me, like finding how I really want my system to work. That not carrying a thousand pounds and not sweating, like getting into the woods has been like freaking huge for me because I run hot. I'm always hot as it is and I'm sweating. Like that's been like enormous for me. Weird things. I'm so freaking particular about stuff and like I, I want to be like prepared for everything. So even with this little backpack, I feel like I bring shit that I still don't need. Like, oh, I need like, you know, a first aid kit and like this and, and that. <laughs> like, dude, if I get hurt that bad, I need to call somebody. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. I still do it anyway. But like, I'm just so I mean, absolutely meticulous not, okay, with shit. It's, it's weird. A, yeah, that's not a terrible thing to have is, you know some form but i've also heard you know other people talk about well do you really need a suture kit do you really need all these things that you're not trained to do right that your safety pretty much should consist of a tourniquet and that's it yeah because and and maybe you know something a wrap or something to stop 
you know, apply pressure to stop bleeding. You're not going to sew yourself up. No, you're, and you're I have both the things. I have a tourniquet and pressure bandages and stuff in there. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's something I'll probably never need, but I kind of want to have it if I if I need it. But you know, yeah. now that stuff's nice for the truck too. But I would I would always carry maybe the tourniquet. Yeah, and I, feel and I like need to get myself one. You should you should get yourself like a little IFAC. That that's kind of what I have, and it kind of just it. They're not huge, but they take up space and. Yeah. One of the weird things I feel like I've kind of got into this thing where I keep my kill kit in the truck. I've got even like a little bit superstitious about it. Like if I have my knife and everything with me, I feel like I don't kill. But if I leave it in the truck when it's like really not convenient, that's when I end up killing shit. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's one of the weird things that I do. Yeah, that's definitely one place where we differ. I always have a knife in my backpack at all times. But that's it. That is basically all that I have as my kill kit is a knife that's it you know i can use my ropes or some sort of some you know climbing rope to drag a deer out if i have to but for the most part the only thing i need is a knife yeah so i always have it but you're right i mean 90 percent of the time typically unless you shoot the deer and watch it go down you typically get down and go back to your truck i like going back to the truck and dumping off all my stuff and like getting everything ready if i need to get extra flashlights or whatever else and you know last year i bought a deer cart and that was a freaking game changer too man like that thing saved me so big at the when i killed my doe it was such a long drag we drug some deer out of there man it sucks dude with a game cart it was like so freaking easy it was the best thing i've bought in a while yeah, get that game card back in that swamp where your buck died. I dare you. <laughs> we'll try it. <laughs> you know, what we could use then was probably a uh, like a float. Dude, a <laughs> freaking sled would have been legit. Rat. Sled would have been amazing. Yeah, I've been watching more and more people use sleds, and I almost want to go to a sled over a deer cart just for the easier packability, less space in your truck, and whatnot. And a swamp is going to be key, start- man. Yeah, I mean, it really anywhere. It works. Yeah. You know, I know we use it a lot of times when we uh, we do our own deer. We process our own deer, and the remains, I mean, we throw them on a sled and, you know, move them wherever you got to move them, the remains, to get rid of them. But it works great. It really does. And that's just a cheap Walmart, you know. If I had a real big one, like the ones that you use for ice fishing with the flat bottoms. Oh, yeah, wider, dude. Yeah. That would be ideal. They make them, man. There's beaver tail sleds, man. Maybe that's something we need to look into. I would think so, for especially for a lot of places like like the swamp that we hunt. A lot of them deep spots where, man, even for the simple fact that I've used a deer cart for many years, many many years, and I can think of how many times you know you're going in after, and you're bringing those through the woods, and they're hitting everything, and they're just ching 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 and pow 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 pow. Just noise, like crazy noise. I'm thinking, never thought about it before, but you're probably doing some damage to that area. If you're trying to be (laughs) a little sneaky, you know? But who knows? Who knows? That's just another another thing to think about. I'm sure slides make noise, too. Yeah. To an extent. A little different, but... I don't know. Well, good. That's that's pretty awesome, though. I I do like that. Um, What about you, then, buddy? Don't think you're getting away with it. What are some of your weird little quirks and stuff like that? see i'm too unorganized to have weird quirks uh usually when deer season comes i mean i try to keep the essentials in my truck all year round like the ozone goes always in my truck i got a scent spray bottle on the door of my truck i got toilet paper always on the door of my truck that is did you get yourself a hydrogen peroxide spray bottle yet no nope still haven't oh dude it's so legit i know but you i don't know do you have trouble seeing blood typically no no i don't i just like that for like grass and stuff like that or when it's really fine it just helps a little bit yeah i think like a little pocket spray bottle would be perfect like you're talking that kill kit that's something i would throw in there i probably really need to but i haven't yet um i don't know man i i like to get everything in my backpack and then go hunt or go do a climb and then I'll figure it out. Kind of work because it out from point, there. Yeah, at that point, I'm like, okay, I have this stuff. I want to put this in here. Uh, you know, my range finder is always going to go on this one right pocket. The other pocket's going to have my water bottle. Um, you know, my front pockets, I, I use them. But then 
for the most part, I actually organize my saddle pockets a little more where I have, you know, my back band in the specific pocket. I have an extra carabiner in a specific pocket. I always carry at least one extra just in case. Um, what I'm working on right now and I'm waiting to come in is my roll pouch so I can get that situated. But I don't know if I have like a weird cork in my vehicle. It's, it's typically just stuff everywhere. I mean, it's it's terrible, but that's where I'm at. I have now have a uh, milk crate in the back, like behind the seats, because it's just a single cab. Yeah, I have a milk crate back there where all my hunting stuff now is in that milk crate. There you go. So I've gotten a lot more organized there, where stuff's typically like uh, <laughs> I'll have used broadheads on the dash of my truck rolling around all year long like i just don't <laughs> take this stuff out i still have a headlight i have multiple headlights in my truck in multiple spots because if there's ever a time where i forget it or you know i wear it and then i bring it wear it into the house and i put it on the counter and i forget it i always have a light yeah so that's i guess that is more or less i have a lot of extra stuff or important stuff kind of just laying around in plain view in my truck so i don't forget it i'm a that fan of that my, my quirk yeah, yeah i like that i don't like the broadheads kind of just like strewn about but <laughs> <laughs> i like the headlamp thing <laughs> yeah there, there's like a little flat spot with a grip bottom on it like up on my dash and yeah pop. and i typically have i throughout the season i'll have maybe one i used to have a lot more obviously but and this is not me being just a, a loser about VIP, but right now I don't have any because every one of my VIP broadheads, my combat veterans, they are on my my arrows. Yeah. And as I shoot them throughout the year, unless they get really dirty and I just don't have the time to clean them, that's typically where they'll go. Yeah. For you know maybe a couple days until Sunday hits, and then I'll go in my truck, grab them, clean them up, and put them back on my arrow. Yeah. I know, I'm kind of that way. Like, if you go in, like, my side doors and stuff like that, you'll find shotgun shells and everything else. It's like, I yeah. just got stuff all over the place, but... Yeah. See, yeah. I hunt a lot after work, too. Yep. So I have a lot of the the scent stuff in my truck. Like, the spray, I have scent-free deodorant. And I've gotten away from kind of using um, scent lock gear because, you know, for whatever reasons, um, comfort-wise, I like scree gear stuff better just doesn't stink so i can wear it over and over again i can throw it over the passenger seat in my truck between hunts because sometimes when i'm going and it's you know that three weeks prime time two weeks whatever it is of prime time man i i go kind of hard and i'm out there before work for you know maybe three hours or two hours and then i gotta jump out run in the truck change in the truck, I just kind of hang up my, my my merino stuff so it dries out. And then, you know, maybe that afternoon or the next day, I just grab the stuff. At the end of the day, throw them in a bag. And then next morning, repeat, rinse and repeat, you know. Yeah, man. But it's it gets kind of hectic. So it's, it's nice to have, I guess, more or less a routine in play like that where – you know, I have my work clothes, they're all ready, they're in this spot. And then when I get out of the woods, I can quickly change, throw them on. That way I'm maximizing my time in the woods, which is key in that rut period, which is where I target for killing big bucks. I target that rut where a lot of these small pieces that may not be holding these big bucks early season, they find the cruisers. And that's what I'm I'm kind of hoping to catch on to. So. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I like it. Fun. Yeah. Well, I think that was a good little episode, man. You know, just kind of working a couple things out, even if, if it's just between me and you, if nobody listens. But, you know, <laughs> one thing I kind of <laughs> wanted to touch on just real quick before we let everybody go is, is a couple of, like, pieces of feedback that we've got recently. And, yep. you know, I think it's I think it's really important for us to get feedback from you guys because we don't know what, if you guys like the show or anything like that. And, you know, we got an email from a guy, you know, he really likes the podcast and stuff like that but he actually gave us a tip you know he's listened to us and we've talked about you know people getting their trail cam stolen and how many trail cams we've had stolen over the years and everything like that and one thing that he does and i've heard a tip kind of similar to this before but um 
he places an old one or a dead one that he doesn't want anymore and then he hangs his other one so almost as like a decoy it's just out there if somebody wants to take a camera that's the one that they're going to take but you know kind of catch him in the act but still have your cameras out and give yourself a little something and that was richard smith he sent that okay that's actually pretty pretty smart i was going to ask you does he typically put his other camera the dead one in view of his live camera so he catches the person stealing it yep. or is he just doing that so it takes their attention off of the other camera that he's hanging you know out of view he said he has had the same problem with them getting stolen he started placing an old one then put another up high out of sight finally caught them and everything like that so he's putting it up and Crazy. out of sight the one that he wants and you know putting the old dead one down there they you know catch him in the act you know still have your cameras going on and you know i think that was a good little tip thanks richard absolutely that's a great tip i got a couple cutty backs i could probably do with that <laughs> that no longer work they're yeah. always there throw them up there and then throw a good one over top of it like a cell cam or something there we go because that way you know people can deny all they want but if you run into somebody in the parking lot afterwards and you recognize them hey look at my phone uh this looks like you and uh, you just stole my dead camera that doesn't work by the way, I'm going to go ahead and turn in your license plate information, everything through the game board. Um, you know, there you go. Simple theft charge. Boom. Yeah, man. You got the guy. Even if nothing comes of it, guess what? That guy's never stealing your camera again. <laughs> That's yet, true. Think, right? <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I brought up another point, too, that I forgot to touch on earlier. You know, a lot of our tactics and stuff early season where we're going in and doing a lot of that stuff – I was mostly referring to private land pieces, small private land pieces where you can go and you know the area extremely well. And this can work still on public land, but you've got to know the area extremely well. you got to know which oak trees you want to target to see if they're dropping and whatnot. So just a little tidbit based on our scenario. That's what we're dealing with. Um, now, <laughs> feedback. Speaking of feedback, I have to clear up a situation that uh, the last episode... <laughs> With the Ferrucci's. Okay. Oh my! <laughs> so I made I made a comment with Hills Have Eyes. First off, I made the comment a wrong movie, totally wrong movie. It was supposed to be wrong turn because those are the ones <laughs> in the actual mountains. Okay? Not much better, are, buddy. <laughs> not much better. But the whole point of the comment was that if you've ever seen that movie, those people, you know, they just like appear and disappear throughout the mountains because they know the area so well, they can navigate the mountains so well. That was supposed to be the whole reason behind my comment, and then now it's turned into a running joke with me and the Ferrucci's and some of our buddies, and I think it's absolutely hilarious, but um, we're going to have to bring them on, and maybe we'll just have to discuss it for themselves. What do you think? I like it, buddy. Let's let's get them on. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll set that up and, and make sure that happens. <laughs> Uh, I have one other too. I want to thank everybody that reached out when we made a post the other day about, it was a little while back now. We made a post about some of the local killers and, and some of the local slayers in our area and, and around this Northeast area. We got a lot of really good feedback from that. And we're setting up a whole somewhat of a series, I guess you could call it or a mini series. And we're just kind of working out the kinks here between Austin and I and scheduling and whatnot. But we're going to have some of these guys on, so look forward to some of these local guys talking about what tactics they use and what works for them, not just us here, you know, in, in Northwest PA or Western PA, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Guys, bear with me. We're trying to keep these podcasts rolling. It's not a matter of content. It's a matter of, like, scheduling. Like, I am falling way behind right now. I got a new baby coming. We're not going to let this happen this time, though. We're going to keep nope. cranking out the episodes. It's going to be good. It's just a matter of getting everything scheduled, and we're going to have some pretty cool content coming up here pretty quick. Yes, sir. Did you have anything else? Anybody else that you wanted to um, highlight for reaching out? I know I know there was a couple other guys that have messaged us on you know Instagram and Facebook, and they found our podcast, and they've been listening to it. And, man, that you guys have no idea how much that means to us. I love getting feedback from you guys and, you know, hearing that people found us and they're listening to us and, hey, you know, I'm a hunter from New York or I'm a hunter from PA. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy to me that you guys have reached out to us as much as you have. Um, one of the ones that I wanted to 
um, talk about was Jeffrey Lyles. Okay. He reached out. He's um, a friend of Steve Waskins, and he, he reached out, and he was talking about how he thought he was the only one that still gets the shakes when it comes to does. And you are not alone, bud. It still happens to people. It still happens to me. You know, <laughs> thanks for reaching out. We appreciate you uh, finding the podcast and, you know, keep on keeping on. Absolutely. I love it. New hunters, adult hunters, man, all you guys. If you've been hunting for 100 years or just getting into it, we love you. We appreciate you. And, and we can't do that. We couldn't do this without you. That's it, man. We appreciate you guys. Until next week. The distraction is real. Let's go.